0: Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA tournament round. Of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. Want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams. This season then of course I got to pick the coaches brains about some big picture topics I want to talk about the super regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all sweet 16 matches are played at one location format what do these coaches prefer still very early in the exercise of determining if the super regional is worthwhile but always fun to hear the coaches initial reactions and then of course we'll try to preview all of these sweet 16 matches I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches, what is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro-outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who of course are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Shows, a man you know best as the head coach of the 2021 NCAA Women's Championship winning team and head coach of the University of Texas Women's Tennis Program. Please welcome back to the show, Coach Howard Joffe. Coach, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, Just got done with uh, practice, uh, 96 degrees out in Austin, Texas, so To be uh, candid, pretty uh, hot and bothered, but uh, (laughs) good to be in the air conditioning. And thanks for having me on, Alex.
0: Oh, anything to provide you a little time in the AC. That's really why we're doing this podcast here today. And, you know, with that in mind, Am I still slightly offended that you had to knock off my Wolverines in the fashion that you did in the round of 32? Of course, that said, you look at your team and where you guys are at. Let's get right to it. That four Oh victory over Michigan. You dropped nine games in your singles victory. You also able, you know, coming off of a big 12 championship that sees you beat Oklahoma in your third attempt this season. How are you feeling about the progress of this team and where are they at entering this round of 16?
1: Um, No question. Um, This year has been a very different path than last year. Um, And um, our team, um, we really didn't have a team in the fall. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but uh, four or five of our eight scholarship players um, were just physically unable to play tennis. Uh, They had, were in boots and broken ankles and what have you. And so, there wasn't really a team um, in the early part of the spring. Um, you know, everyone, uh, thank uh, thank God, uh, returned to health, but um, we obviously had new pieces to the team. We had three, uh, three, f- three or four freshmen. And so we not only weren't performing very well, but I think everyone was quite unsure of themselves. And I don't know that the team was operating very well, um, but um, you know, as the weeks have, have um, dragged on <laughs> um, in this college season, um, if you just look at our results and performances, the team has gotten um, better and better and better, um, to where um, we really are playing, uh, functioning as a as a team very well and playing some very very excellent tennis. And so, to uh, your question, um, I'm feeling very good about our chances um, in the round of 16 and beyond, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, again, I think us pundits would say you guys are the hottest team in the country right now, not just because of the 95-degree heat. I am curious for you, because you're coming off of a national championship, which, by the way, I don't think I've had the chance to say it, well done. That was pretty fun uh, to watch that match. That was a very fun NCAA final. but. You've got the core, Stearns, Shivatapan, Rapalu, Collins, who are part of that national championship run. You've also got Uvrutsky, Zainalova, Zemaripa, who have never been through this before. At times, does it feel like you're coaching two different teams? And how have you balanced those two things?
1: I mean, I think, uh, uh, again, without rehashing my last answer – <laughs> and the fall was particularly difficult because um in the case of Zenalova she showed up at school went to the us open um played the number two girl in the world was five five in the first set and broke her ankle and so you know that it, it, it's not uh, all fall you know Sabina is just such an incredible and incredibly resourced person but There was just no ability for her to play at all and so to be part of the team and what was going on and of course that happened uh uh, not a broken ankle but very significant injuries with several of the the freshmen and so it was hard to do you know the the x's and o's um and equally hard um with respect to i think what your question's asking the juju of the team or so to speak um but as the year has worn on um, you know, everybody has sort of uh, found their way, and there is more of a sense of team, um, and uh, they're playing like it for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, again, for your team down the home stretch, whether it was against uh, Michigan, obviously you guys played some good doubles, but, you know, it feels like you have played around with the doubles lineup at various points throughout the season. And looking even beyond the pairings you've played in general, you've played seven different pairings at the number three double spot alone talk to me about the effort that's been to find the pairings and teach the system.
1: Well I think that is just uh, emblematic of what
0: I've been uh, that's uh, the fall right because that's yeah. when you establish those things.
1: Yeah, the fall and then of course the early spring um, uh-huh. just so incredibly hard and even through the spring we've had also like injuries you know not not yeah. significant but on and off and so, Whereas last year's uh, championship team, we we rolled with three teams, the same teams from uh, wire to wire. This year, there's been a lot of um, chopping and changing um, by necessity. And then, you know, as well as a coach, you get into the conference play and you don't want to switch things up too much because... You get beaten, you can't win, and what have you. Okay. But I think we've sort of uh, de- certainly um, settled on uh, number one and two team, and I, I feel like we're pretty settled with our three team as well. And we'll uh, take our chances. We, you know, we we definitely have very good doubles players. So we'll see how we go.
0: Yeah, well, through all of those ups and downs, there's been a couple of rocks in particular. You look at what Peyton Stearns has done this season at the number one spot, 21-1 and one overall in dual matches. And I'm sure you have talked about her a lot uh, whenever you are talking to press. But, you know, you have coached some excellent players, some excellent teams. And I think back to 2013, Christina Sanchez-Quintanar, who might be the best athlete to ever grace college tennis, three sports. And by the way, we interviewed her. She said she takes her goal. Goal She scored in soccer over any accomplishment she had while playing tennis at A&M, and she wanted me to share that with you. But um, to have Peyton elevate to that level, A, what allowed her to do it, and B, what did it mean to the team?
1: I mean, so – You know, I've said this to Peyton, and Peyton, we actually did a little ring ceremony uh, (laughs) a a week or two ago. And one of the things that I said, which is true, I mean, Peyton um, acknowledges this, um, for the uh, player that she was billed as, as a freshman, the year for her was probably somewhat disappointing. Um, as a freshman, um, obviously, um, right at the end of the year, um, when it mattered the most, she really, um, uh, came up, um, and you, you, know, won her final three matches in the quarter semis and finals of the, the singles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the year on aggregate wasn't necessarily like a stellar year. And I think a lot of that had to do with, um, growth um both uh, on the court a little bit i mean she's a very uh, obviously strong and fine player but she needed to refine some skills mm-hmm. and then also just uh y- you know in I- 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 internal growth and i think that's probably a lot of what was going on um in the first year um this year um she's one that was off a lot in the fall um with with some injuries Um only got to play one or two tournaments and did very well early on and then but, you know, I saw from early in September, Peyton, the way she approached her, her tennis, her practices um, it, it were just day and night from, from her first year. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, I think she has really in the year at Texas, now two years, 1.9 years, I guess, <laughs> yeah. um, really grown uh, as, a, as a person, um, uh, uh, matured and it's also obviously showing up on the tennis scoreboard because she's playing. She really is playing uh, uh, astoundingly good tennis.
0: Mm-hmm. I would also point directly back to that NCAA final, as you alluded to, what the men's team did in cheering her on and giving her that confidence against Ashley Leahy to just say, hey, you're going to win this match. You can beat everyone. Is there any truth to that? Like, I feel like I can draw a direct through line from that win to where we're at now. I mean, I think, I,
1: I, I definitely think like Peyton, you know, Peyton lost pretty comfortably in the round of 16. Yeah. And then like something happened uh, right <laughs> after that because she won like the semi and uh, or the quarter and semi match dropping maybe two or three games only mm-hmm. if I'm remembering it right. And then, you know, the finals, I mean, I think the finals like winning, you know, winning always cures all, right? And, sure. and I think for a lot of our players, you know, Lulu went on in the summer and just, you know, rose like about 600 spots in the WTA rankings in like two and a half months. So I think on the back of, you know, clinching that match. And so I think that's chicken soup for the proverbial tennis soul. Sure. Yeah. Um, hard to say we'd need a team of Freudians to work it out exactly what, uh, the, the antecedents, I believe is the word, but, you know, definitely I think that experience, um, she also, the USDA were very generous wild carding her in the U S open where she lost, but played a good match. I think that stuff sort of, um, got a little pep in her step and the hard yards, as they say, um, we're done in her freshman year and so she she, she was ready to take uh, the jump
0: yeah no absolutely and you know again I think one of the most interesting things and one of the turning points for you all this season has been uh, Charlotte's you know return to form here over the back half of the season you know she's maybe 15 and 8 overall but far more relevant she's 7 and 2 in her last 10 and playing exceptional tennis what you know talk to me about the ups and downs of her season so
1: I mean I don't obviously want to speak specifically sure. to uh, each person's a um, uh, story, but yeah. I would say this is that uh, you know we won the championship last year with five fre- freshmen playing in out of six players in the lineup, um, sort of like your Michigan uh, uh, <laughs> five who pulled the timeout. but yeah. you know so. They, they, they grew a lot they got a lot better and they achieved fantastic success but of course life always comes and taps you on the shoulder yeah. Um. you know after great success and asks questions about you as a person and growing up and what have you and I think that's a lot of what Charlotte went through in the fall uh-huh. Um. and it's been, uh, I think they would call it uh, a, a bloody birth. It's not been yes. easy. I mean, Charlotte's the most lovely person. Anyone that knows her knows that. But, you know, I, the record doesn't matter. Seven and two, this and that. You know, the eye test, uh, Charlotte played, uh, I mean, Charlotte is playing at the moment better than she was playing in the NCAA final last year. It's, it, it's you know, so she has really managed to uh, address the questions that life has asked her yeah. and is in a good space and playing exceptional tennis. So, yes, I mean, you're, uh, uh, you got it. Uh, with Charlotte returning to form, um, Kylie also has picked it up here um, uh, uh, later in the season. It, it obviously uh, ha- ha- has changed things a lot.
0: I've always wanted to compare Kylie Collins to Jalen Rose and you just gave me the excuse to do it coach. So I'm immensely grateful for that fact. I, I, yeah, I mean, you had your own fab five on hand, no doubt about that. Um, obviously looking through the course of your season, give me a, a victory, a turning point for you all. Was there a moment, was there a match where things maybe clicked for you all mentally? Do you point to anything specifically throughout the year?
1: Uh, two things. I mean, for me as the coach, uh, I am I, I, um, looking at uh, the Southside courts here and I can actually remember a day. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know which day it was, but some, sometime later in March, uh, we played some practice matches, some two out of three set matches and on a Saturday, and it was just ferocious and rough. And I could see that like the felt sense of the team um, was suddenly better. But I think what really needed to happen, you know, was the win against Oklahoma. And, you know, we've obviously been rated or ranked highly all year, but, you know, we played Oklahoma and uh, poor Elora had four match points. She was 6'5", 40 love up uh, to win that. And that was a disappointment for the, the team. And so just getting sort of, to use a cliche, a signature win later in the year, I think, just, just has been good for the soul. But certainly by March, I could tell that like the kids finally understood why why they're here and what they're doing and um, that, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there was a better sense of team. Um, and along with that, the tennis came. Mm -hmm.
0: how has i mean obviously it's a good thing for you all but with oklahoma rising the way that they have oklahoma state obviously still alive in the top 16 as well and the depth that we saw in the big 12 across the conference again can i mean all the way from kansas kansas state you know iowa state record years for their program how competitive you know how did that competition help your team this season
1: I mean, always competition drives folks up, you know, yeah. you see is another cliche. I'm armed with them today. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, just uh, the idea that um, uh, each weekend you're getting to compete always under different circumstances, right? You're playing different indoors, outdoors, high altitude, low altitude, all of this stuff. Um, that stuff sort of hardens you if you're prepared to wrap your arms around it. Mm-hmm. And so, um you know, that's been good for us. Um, You know, obviously all the major conferences have awful good teams. And, but this year, the big 12 has been to this point, obviously very strong. Um, And so those matches have definitely, um, you know, calloused us up for uh, what's ahead.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. And certainly helped you earn that top eight seed. And with that in mind, I do have a big picture question for you. Super regional or one site sweet 16, which do you prefer? (laughs)
1: there's so many uh, 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 variables to to me, uh, probably um, uh, uh, the Sweet 16, all the teams with the proviso that it needs to be played somewhere like Orlando, where there's just an abundance of courts because one of the heart, I don't know if if heartbreaking is the thing, the kids obviously practice there, you've got a show devoted to this type of thing. There's such interest and passion with the college tennis. The idea that you'd go somewhere where, there, you know, there's 60 men's team, 16s women's team, and you get an hour and a half on three courts to practice yeah. um, for these big matches, and a drop of rain and it goes indoors. Um, that 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 stuff doesn't sit well with, uh, with the folks at a ground level. So to me, I, I prefer like it was in Orlando, uh, you know, last year with COVID, they did 16 teams, um, but it would have to be at a place that can accommodate the, the the demands of competitive coaches and competitive players that need the, the courts and the practice and what have you.
0: Is tennis missing out? So softball has Omaha, right? And I baseball might be there as well. Is that, I, I do feel like that could be the pathway for tennis towards Orlando.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm again, I'm not a politico kind of a guy. I don't know. Um, you know, who's doing what and what have you. I know all the years I played college tennis, it was always in Athens, Georgia, and that had certainly a cachet to it and, you know, just 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 loved the town and what have you. Um, you know, so, so there's, uh, uh, you know, an argument to be made for putting it somewhere like that if there's some off-site, and, and they actually do a good job there. Um, but perhaps I think the argument there is they don't have indoor or enough indoor courts um Orlando of course is excellent just for at a minimum for that reason what Orlando doesn't have you know is it isn't really the home of you know I guess it is the home of central florida but <laughs> it's more the home of united states tennis right yeah. and so um yeah that's a tough one and thank god i, I get paid to not be an administrator and tennis balls yeah.
0: yeah no yeah that's one of those things i'm sure you yeah you're happy to stick out of that one i like that you're not a politico i'll keep that i'm gonna put that in your twitter bio uh just so people know that about you moving forward but again for your team this weekend you're taking on an Auburn team. Um, I'm sure you had to coach against Caroline Lilly at one point. You know how tenacious she is as a competitor. And, you know, if we didn't have the Oklahoma story, we'd all be talking about the rise of Auburn and how good they've been this season. What's it going to take for your team to get by them, advance to the next round?
1: I mean, what it always takes in sports, you've got to show up to the game with the version of yourself that's ready to play, to be a killer, to be a winner. Um, Because I think as you dissect this and speak to all the coaches, at this stage of the tournament um there's pl- uh, every team is good enough to get you to beat you and so what it really uh, comes down to is um who's turning up for the games what version is turning uh, of ourselves is turning up for the games if it's sort of a, a, a anxiety ridden scared um that's going to put you uh i mean it's understandable right we all have that side of us but that's going to uh, definitely put you at risk and if the You know, the winner, the killer, your resourced self can show up. Um, That's what it's going to take, because uh, as your question points out, uh, uh, I don't know a lot about Auburn, but I do know that they're a very um, feisty and tenacious team and they're going to fight you the whole way. And so um, you're going to have to uh, turn up for work or so to speak.
0: I like that. Um, all right, final question for you be- about champagne, because obviously, as I referred to earlier, 2013, Texas A&M, you guys make the final there. I do want to ask you a question about Christina because I haven't had the chance to yes. do that before. When she comes to you and says, I'd like to play soccer, do you go, huh, wait, really? Like, what's your reaction there?
1: You know, I don't know if you know this, but um, I was the coach at the University of Maryland and I recruited yes. Christina. And when she came, she uh, was dinged a year of eligibility um, on the front end I actually forget the exact circumstance um, it might have been ra- around like age entering college or whatever and so at the time you know my first year at Maryland we were in the ACC we lost eight ACC matches in a row seven0 so we were over for 56 uh, in in the uh, uh, rubbers
0: yeah.
1: and Um, I had recruited a very formidable team for my second year where we did actually, we'd beaten Georgia Tech who were the defending champion. So, but the year that Christina was there, my calculus was that like, you know, I'd gotten to know her and she had told me about how she was really good at tennis, really good at soccer. And of course there's always that fork in the road where you've got to uh, commit to one and. I just had the sense that the best thing for this kid was in the year that she's not going to be eligible uh-huh. um, to play, she can come and practice. She also needed to take remedial English, which uh-huh. took her out of some of our practice. So I got with Brian Penske, who is now, he may still be the coach of Tennessee, but he was the soccer coach at Maryland. Uh-huh. And Christina actually played uh, on Penske's team. Um, And they won the ACC. So I don't know if you know that. She played uh, and won two different conferences uh, in soccer. Um, And, you know, then obviously she played for Maryland and um, had followed me then uh, to Texas Uh, A&M. Once her eligibility was exhausted, um, you know, then... um, She, We talked with Gary Blair, who was the national championship basketball coach. Mm -hmm. It was a whole long, intricate thing um, for her to be able to do it legally. Um, And she did it. So, yeah, the first year, I know that mm, I may need my head read for that, but I encouraged (laughs) her to do it and set it up because I think it was good for her soul and... Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a good experience for her.
0: No, and that's what makes you you is you allow these athletes, these individuals to thrive on court and flourish within the team environment. And that is why you are the defending national champion. So, of course, <laughs> Coach always, that you. that's the only reason, by the way. And, uh, you know, it had nothing you. to do with the players. But, uh, no, of course, Coach, always the pleasure to get the chance to chat with you, wishing you and your team uh, success and health. And uh, certainly I look forward to seeing you all in Champagne as well.
1: Thanks so much for having having me and uh, hope to see you
0: in Champaign. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it, Coach. Take care. Welcome. Bye.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
0: Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you listeners, that will be our goal as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an job to do this week, makes all of this content possible so shout out to him shout out to our friends at swing vision as well again learn more about the swing vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show with all of that said for our fantastic guest our super producer daniel westoff our friends at swing vision from all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone